0: Dave Kirshner from the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast, and we're into lucky episode number 13. Woohoo! And it is week 18 in the 46th Quadrennial Hunger Games. Let's get to it! Politics, 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 politics. Yes, the Roman Senate. The Roman Senate is the best legislature that money can buy. We cannot entrust national security to teenagers unless I missed a policy paper. Are we doing that now? No. Good. Oh Lord, bless this thy hand grenade that with it thou mayst blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy. <laughs> That's my own little impromptu mashup. Sounded like a good idea, so I just threw all those in there. <laughs> All right, man, let's get to it. So, okay, let's talk about Biden. He knows nothing. He goes on press conferences and he he goes out there and he just... I don't think that dude knows what day of the week it is. His vice president, oh, comrade Kamala, she... (laughs) We don't know what she's doing. She's supposed to be in charge of this border crisis that they finally admitted to and she's nowhere to be found. It's like she's got her fingers in her ears and she's going, la, 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 I can't hear you. La, 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 I can't hear you. It's pathetic. And it's just, it it just is getting to the point of just, what? What is going on? Oh, man. And then Biden, he goes and appoints, a lady named Natalie Montalongo to be a White House deputy director. (laughs) But just as recently as 2018, this is the personal opinion of somebody he just put in his White House, while we have an ongoing border crisis, people chucking kids literally over the wall, People smuggling people in, drugs, cartels are busy. He put somebody in a deputy director for political strategy position who has said, look up your nearest ICE office and shut it down. And said, ICE doesn't need to exist. She said these things just two years ago. That's a problem. When you have a government official saying that a government entity that was put in place because of an immigration problem that was started by Democrats doesn't need to exist. It's, oh my goodness. She went on to say that this administration's actions are not motivated by public safety concerns. They're terrorizing immigrant communities. ICE didn't exist 15 years ago. It doesn't have to exist now. That's what she said when Trump was president. And Trump damn near stopped illegal immigration coming across the southern border. But they've gone out and they've revoked funding for the wall that was coming through the Defense Department they've tied everything else up in court and if they could they'd go out there and start dismantling the wall to make it easier I haven't seen them start that yet I haven't seen them do it but it would not surprise me if that was the next step in their plan toward uh, ultimate global open borders there is something that I am keeping track of uh, and that was the uh, cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, where it was a, it was hit with uh, ransomware, and they basically had to shut down the pipeline. So this pipeline is moving 45% of all of the fuel consumed on the East Coast. And this includes gas, uh, regular gas, diesel, jet fuel, heating oil. And serves most of the East Coast um, U.S. military facilities. So these little radicals, these little anarchists, Hi! Hey, Mom, can you fix me a sandwich? They yell from their basement as they're out there going, Hacker! Hacker! I'm a hacker! Hey. Every time somebody says that they're a hacker, or this group hacked that, or whatever, I just have this flashback to this scene from, from Jurassic Park. Well, it wasn't the greatest quality, but you got to hear it. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. So I, I, it just people that have, you know, this kind of skill set. I know them. I work with them. Um, and it just, if, if they spent half as much time doing things that were illegal for things that were good, Maybe the world would be a better place. But no. They've been brainwashed into thinking, Big corporations are bad. Capitalism is evil. You know, it's not. It's one of the greatest economic engines ever invented by man. But the people that do these types of attacks... It's not that they're lazy. They obviously have plenty of energy because they're putting it into these dark side ransomware attacks and other hack hacking hacker type uh, functions and they could be doing so much more. They could be working in in the world of, of computer science doing research. They could be working, they could actually be working for the government. They could be working for a university or a college doing all types of things, whether that's AI, they could be working with uh, robotics, they could be doing a whole host of other things, but no, they want complete anarchy, they want to shut it all down. So here's a, listen, Scooter, genius boy, girl, whoever's out there doing this, um, if you shut down the system, you will not survive. It's not a threat. It's a fact, because if you shut down the oil pipelines, because what you're a you're a huge environmentalist, Greenpeace, rah rah, stop killing the whales, you're polluting the ocean. If you're one of those folks, or any slice of it, if you shut the system down and society collapses, and you get your little anarchy, yay! You will not survive. And I'll tell you why. If the system collapses, you're no longer a hacker. Because you don't have electricity. And I seriously doubt you've got a bunker full of fuel. To keep your little network up and running. So the very system you're trying to bring down is eventually going to kill you. Because if you've spent as much time inside as I think you have. Working on your little algorithms and your code and your SQL and your .NET and Unix and all that crap. I like to work with Java struts. (laughs) No. Okay? If you've been in that world for that long where you're that accomplished as a developer working on... All of this stuff to bring down society. I seriously doubt you have the skills needed to survive in a world where you have shut everything down. And that, I'm sorry, that's a cold, hard fact. And there's nothing that you can do about it. So you might want to think long and hard about what you're doing. Because if you bring the system down, (laughs) one of two things is going to happen. Well, I can think of multiple scenarios. Um, One, you starve to death. Uh, Two, you get killed. You go out, you try and take something from somebody else who knows more about self-defense and firearms than you do. Because if the only thing you know about self-defense is Halo, then you got a problem. Because those guns don't exist... And the people that use any facsimile of a gun like that from the game Halo, they know more about self-defense and they could probably kill you with their pinky. So, you guys, straighten up. Because that's just just pure tea jackassery. Alright, let's move on. So, uh, here's something fun. Um, You know, you haven't heard much about the Times Square shooting. And... You're not really sure what's going on because the, the the mainstream media doesn't want to report it, and you know why? I'll tell you why. The shooter was black, and that goes against their narrative of only crazy white people own these crazy guns and go around shooting people like a crazy person. Nope. Shooter in New York Time New York Times Square. They got still camera photo of the guy. It's a black dude. But they're not going to report it. Why? I just said it goes against their narrative. I I don't know. I mean, the rest of this is just you got the Biden administration. I, I mean, I'm all over the place with these current events. These are just things that have come up recently, and I I made note of. You know, oh well, you know, because of COVID, we can't have Fourth of July at uh, at Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that makes sense. Freaking genius. The Biden administration obviously has uh, their hackles up against uh, vets and some other uh, very noteworthy groups because they won't let them have a parade, uh, their annual parade through D.C. But by golly, they'll let the. Uh <laughs> I look at this. When I read it, I was like, what? The people that are uh, proponents of uh, uh, nationalizing the legality of marijuana. They get to have a parade. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> if all these people are stoned, who's showing up? <laughs> just The stuff that the Biden administration is doing. I mean, A, I don't think Joe knows anything about it. I don't think even Comrade Kamala knows ever th- anything about it. Uh, she's off somewhere being prepped to be the next leader of the free world, and you know she's probably out there having meetings with the people that are going to orchestrate the next election steal. Uh, I love what they're doing in Florida and Texas. I think that's great. And you know, and oh, and the judge out in Arizona, they said you can go ahead and proceed with the recount. ...and double-check everything, and of course the Democrats went flying off the handle. And, uh, you know, so that's all kinds of fun stuff. But I, I'm all over the place today, so I'm just going to put a pin in it. And uh, we're going to move on to our topic du jour. Because we talked about the, uh, the ransomware crap with the pipeline... Thought it might be interesting to go look and see if I've seen any kind of noticeable bump in my stocks, and nope, everything looks copacetic, exactly where it was. I've got oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I got eleven stocks left. There was one I had on here, and uh, they got. They got booted off the exchange. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't come back from COVID. So they, uh, they got booted and I got sent a bunch of money in a random stock that I didn't want anymore. So I converted it over to, uh, some more of the Credit Swiss stock, the USOI credit, uh, ticker symbol. Um, but because Europe is so freaking socialist and they're all in on this COVID crap, um, they haven't really opened up their economies in some of these big countries like Germany and England and France and Italy. They're all they're all pretty much still locked down. So that's why I'm seeing. I'm I'm still in the hole. Uh, fifteen bucks. I'm fifteen bucks from breaking even on European oil. So that's <laughs> that's a hell of a lot better where, than where I was to start with. Um, I'm I'm in the hole uh let's see what's this one this one's oh well this is my uh, my greek shipping company tazakos energy navigation I'm, I'm in the whole 10 bucks on them overall i mean I, i'm i'm into them for i don't know 160 bucks and i'm only in the whole 10 bucks so they're they're coming out of the hole they're getting closer to break even for my uh, my cost per share when i purchased it um and the other one that I'm in the hole on is uh, the Chesapeake Granite Wash, common stock. I'm in the hole for them for uh, for twelve bucks. Everything else is everything else is green. Um, I am interested because the uh, the U.S. Oil Fund, USO, ticker symbol. Um, I'm up. Over $500 on those guys, I've, I've doubled my, my investment. Well, I've doubled the cost per share, I should say. I've almost doubled the cost per share for what I paid for it versus what it's currently trading at. So that's good. Um, I'd say overall, I'm still in that $1,000 range. And and the bulk of it's in the U.S. oil fund. I'm up a 1000 from what I've invested. Basically what I did was I took the the money that was going to go toward airfare for a family vacation to Greece last summer as part of my daughter's graduation present. I've been saving up for that vacation knowing that we wanted to do that. I, I saved up for four years, her entire high school career. I saved up, I squirreled away money um, because I wanted to have like one big kind of extravagant family vacation before our eldest daughter left for college knowing that we weren't going to have many other opportunities because her sister was going to be right behind her to go off to college um she's actually looking at the air force academy believe it or not she wants to be a pilot so she's looking at the air force academy she's looking at north dakota purdue and ohio state they're number one two and three for uh universities with uh flight programs so i'm you know i'm not holding her back and she's a whiz man she's one of those stem kids she's all about math and science and, and you know she pretty much blew past what i knew in about sixth seventh grade so <laughs> you want help with english and history i'm your guy math and science go see your mother <laughs> that was how we broke it down But, you know, I, back to what I was talking about, I, you know, I, as a family and, and I kind of did it, my wife didn't know I was doing it, but, um, I squirreled away about $10,000 and that was 3,000 of it was going to go to, to airfare, $2,800 roughly. Um, and then, you know, I found a nice little villa on the Mediterranean in southeastern Athens, uh, in a little a little town in southeastern Ath- southeastern Athens called Vula and uh, we have a lot of friends that are Greek and I was kind of working with the other husbands um, and so we were all going to kind of be there at the same time and so all the kids could you know if, as a family you know we could go and we could go see the sights and go see Mount Olympus and we can go to Sparta and we can go see the Parthenon and and, you know, we can do a boat tour out into the Med to go see three different islands. And it was a whole day deal. And, you know, I, I orchestrated all of this. I found all this fun stuff to do. I saved up more money than I actually needed. And, uh, and then COVID happened. And I got all my money back except for the deposit I put down on the villa. That guy was a total douche. Um, so I'm not going back to that villa if we get to go um i'm trying and hoping that we get to do it in 2022 so what i did was i invested that money that twenty seven, twenty eight hundred 2800 dollars 2800 and i opened up a td ameritrade account and i thought well covid happened oil prices crashed all you heard were bells and whistles oil 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 and i was like bye bye i felt like mortimers you know buy mortimer bye you know and and uh from trading places uh, that was a very funny movie, if you've never seen it, uh, with uh, Dan Aykroyd and and uh, Eddie Murphy. So uh, it was a good, great movie. But anyway, um, so that's what I've been tracking for for a year. So so far I'm 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 up a thousand. I've got I, I still have all of my airfare money, um, and it's just it's just parked in this TD Ameritrade account. So the hope is that once uh europe starts opening up uh i'll be able to to turn that that airfare money of twenty eight hundred dollars into funding the entire trip next time um that's my goal and i've got a year and a half roughly but if if the kid goes off to the air force academy then uh i think she has to report to colorado springs in like july july of 2022 so she's got like a one month summer um before she she goes to do that but we don't know what's going on with the ad i mean she's still going through the the nomination process so who knows maybe i just jinxed it because i talked about it i don't know but um i thought it would be interesting to look at to see what the stocks were doing um to see if there was any kind of of bump because if there's a cyber attack on an, on an american pipeline in the continental united states if there was going to be a bump, I'd have seen it in the U.S. oil fund, um, but it looks like it's actually it's actually down 11 bucks for the day. Um, but you know, I'm still up over 500 for that particular um, that particular fund. So I don't know. Anyway, I thought I'd take a look. Okay, we'll move on. And now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. So fiction isn't your bag, but you want to learn about preparedness planning and herbal remedies. Or maybe you'd rather make food, not war, then pick up a copy of one of my three nonfiction books. Cook a delicious multi course meal from one of the menus in just a small gathering. Get that medicinal garden going by planting some of your favorite ingredients and recipes found in home remedies, poultices, salves, and tinctures. And if you're curious about how to solve some of your prepping problems, pick up a copy of Preparing to Prepare and see what I've done and what I recommend. Now back to the show. All right. So in today's show, because it's spring and we're getting close to uh, uh, being able to put plants in the ground, I mean, you really just you just can't trust Ohio high weather. You don't know when the last <laughs> frost is actually coming. But I think we've actually we've actually passed that threshold, and and, um, and it's safe to actually start working in the garden proper. I mean, I've got plants that I've been growing. Uh, i've got my grow lights got my heat pads got all my fun stuff but it's getting to be about that time when i can take those plants outside uh and start putting them in the ground so what one of the first things that you have to do is get them used to actual natural sunlight because the only sunlight that they've had is the grow light stand so what i do is um well i mean we couldn't do much in the last week because all i did would freaking rain and that would have hurt them Because they weren't used to that either. So uh, what I do is I take them outside. And you start with with small increments. So I'll take all my trays outside. And let them sit out in the sun for you know 30 minutes to an hour. And then I'll bring them in. Uh, And then the next day I'll increase it by half an hour to an hour. So they might be out for 60 to 90 minutes. uh, 60 minutes to, to 120 minutes. And then you slowly increase it. Uh, in the days and weeks coming up to when I would traditionally start putting plants in the ground, which is Memorial Day weekend for my particular uh, USDA cold hardiness zone. So, one of the reasons that I do this is more or less sustainability. Um, you know, because I have a a healthy cache of of uh, prepackaged foods. You know, freeze dried um, you know, whenever I see a good deal for, you know, a one week supply and it's like 10 bucks for a one week supply. And, and, um, I'm like, well, what's the max? And so, you know, I'll go buy 10 of them. You know, there's a hundred bucks, a good hundred dollar investment that gives me 10 weeks for one person. But if you do that enough times, 10 weeks is three months. Now, well, roughly almost two and a half months, but that's enough for one person. And if you find enough of those deals, suddenly, hey, you know what? You could actually make it through winter if you do that enough. Or if you see see a deal on a, on a three-month supply or a one-month supply, I've found all those kinds of deals all over the place. I just wait for stuff to go on sale. Um, you know, I know what I'm willing to pay. And um, <laughs> my wife said, you know, that's enough. You need to stop. I'm like, <laughs> hey, buddy. So I called a friend of mine or I talked to a friend of mine at work. I was like, dude, what's your address? (laughs) So if I have something that the wife has said, no, 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 you need to stop, 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 stop. I just ship it to a buddy's house and he brings it to me at work. (laughs) But it's not like she doesn't know it because in the storage room, you know, the pile just keeps getting higher and wider and she's like, I thought we weren't going to do this. I'm like, who said, <laughs> I promised other people I wouldn't be good. So I can't promise you that I will be good. <laughs> anyway, another, a, a way that I like to supplement the stuff that I've got stored is, is through gardening. And I have a, I have a, a decent sized garden. It's not, you know, I'm not out there plowing acreage. Um, but I do, uh, raised bed gardening and what we focus on, we we focus on some vine crops like uh, uh, squashes, cucumbers, um, we, you know, butternut squash, yellow nut, yellow squash, zucchini. Um, uh, I've gotten cantaloupe, watermelon, and pumpkin to grow sometimes, but it really just depends on on how that growing season was. So if it was too wet, and it kind of doesn't do me do doesn't do me too well. Um, but uh, I grow, you know, multiple varieties of tomatoes, we've got green beans, uh, I've got uh, multiple herbs, whether they be uh, for food or for medicinal. Um, so I, 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 want, I pack a lot of stuff into a limited amount of square footage, and, uh, and I really enjoy it, and uh, you know, so... so by doing is that by doing this there's significant cost savings uh can be found in in growing and canning your own food um but as a side effect to that there are major health benefits as well and it's not just um uh, because you're eating more nutritious food it's not laden with with chemicals and gmo whatever bastardization of seeds you know I I don't, I personally, I don't like GMO seeds. Some of you guys might not have a problem with them, but I prefer heirloom seeds because I can then harvest the seeds for the next season. Um, and, and I will always have fresh reproducible results. I couldn't think of the right word. Totally baffled me on that one. But by having a garden, you know, you get the health benefits from, from more nutritious food. But you also get health benefits from the physicality of the labor, and you also get mental health benefits from being outside, the vitamin D, uh, the, the exercise, all of that goes into multiple forms of health benefits. So um, what I, it's just what I like to do, but if you're just starting out and, and, you're, and you're not sure what to do, well, the first thing I would tell you to do is figure out what your cold hardiness zone is you know if you're in northern idaho your cold hardiness zone is different than mine in ohio um and you can find that just just google usda cold hardiness zone map and it and then you'll punch in your zip code and it'll tell you what your what your cold hardiness zone is i think now they might actually have microclimates in there as well so you can kind of zoom in and see if there's anything in particular about your zip code but um but you so you need to know your cold hardness zone and that'll tell you what you can and cannot grow well in your area um but a a piece of that is not just the cold hardness zone it's also you need to look at how much precipitation your area gets so like i was saying if you get a lot of rain um you might want to think about ways that you can Get that water to move faster through the soil, and, and you can do that by using raised beds. You can use Hugo culture, which is basically mounds of dirt that you know you haven't put in a box. You know you're not you, you're you're not putting the dirt inside of a bunch of two by tens that are long and rectangular or square or whatever. Um, Hugo culture is basically just a mound of dirt, and then you just basically you seed bomb it, seed bomb it, and and let the plants just grow native. Um, you know, you're not worried about tomato cages. You're not worried about this, that, the other, um, vine crops do really well in that. Um, and you can also use that, uh, that mound as, is almost like a food plot or a feed plot for, for wild game. So if you're into that, uh, you can, you can definitely pick off some, some rabbits and squirrels and deer and stuff at the end of the season, because they'll come hunting for those For those vine crops, like, you know, if you just grow a a couple extra pumpkins, um, you know, they'll come and they'll come out of the woodwork for those things. But outside of that, outside of knowing what you can and can't grow and outside of knowing what your annual precipitation amounts are, you need to know the composition of your soil. You need to know, uh, you know, if you know where you think you want to put the garden, you need to know about how much uh, direct sunlight it's going to get. So... What I do is I actually set up reminders on my phone um, in the weeks leading up to when I would want to actually build the garden and then begin putting plants in the garden the first time out of the gate. Um, So what I did is every hour on the hour, I went uh, to where I wanted to, to put the garden and I just monitored how much sunlight was there. Uh, I just used a stick in the ground. And I just kind of, I marked the outline of the shadow of the trees to figure out, okay, this was, and I, you know, those um, uh, sprinkler head flags, you know, the metal flag with a little plastic, or the metal, metal stick, the little wire with a little plastic flag up top. I used different color ones to denote each hour. So I just marked where the shadow outline was, and I could see where and when I got the most optimal amount of sunlight. That helped me also track um, uh, obstacles, things that were blocking my sunlight. So when you're going to start a garden, you need to be thinking, of, when it comes to sunlight, you need to be thinking about that in the same manner or method that you would think about Solar panels, you know. Obviously, you don't want to put solar panels in the shade. Same's true for a garden. You don't want to go into the shade for that stuff. Um, we do uh, get, you know, a summer, a summer storm, you know, a summer thunderstorm, downpour, whatever you want to call it. So for me, um, it works best if I I use raised beds. So I can get that water out of there. The, the the plants can get the water that it needs, and then the soil can move that water quickly, so that I'm not waterlogging the plants. Uh, so that that's one thing that I do to help mitigate that. All right. Now, when it comes to your soil, you need to know what you're dealing with. So, you know, if you're doing raised beds, you're probably going to be Trucking in some oil some, some oil, some soil, to fill in the raised beds, or even if you're doing mounds like Hugo culture, uh, you're going to bring in some dirt. Um, but you need to you need to know what you've got, and what you need is to figure out what your pH level is. Uh, so you need to figure out does your soil have too much nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium, or not enough? Um, and then how do you, how do you mend that soil? So depending on what your, your soil's pH is, you can do different types of soil amendments. Um, and, and these will help with different aspects of your soil composition. So for example, if you want to add a bunch of organic matter, uh, to your soil, that's going to improve water and nutrient retention. Uh, and it's going to increase the activity of uh, the beneficial microorganisms. If you add lime, uh, that's a source of calcium, and that will raise the soil pH. But if you add uh, sulfur or elemental sulfur, that will lower the soil pH. But it'll do so very—it'll it'll do it slowly. Um, ammonium sulfate, ammonium sulfate is is pretty fast-acting and is high in nitrogen. Nitrogen. What's wrong with me? I can't speak nitrogen. It's high in nitrogen, and, and it, too, lowers the soil pH, but it does it more quickly than the elemental sulfur. So if you have a really high pH and you need to get it down quickly to get closer to uh, optimum, then you could try using the ammonium sulfate. Uh, gypsum is... Uh, an amendment that some people use—it's uh, kind of like, you know—it's like powdered sheetrock, but I mean gypsum is its own little thing. But um, it'll help modify the soil pH, but it's not going to modify it as drastically as the ammonium sulfate uh, and and sulfur and, and lime. So, but but what the gypsum does is it helps increase water uh, penetration. And it helps loosen up compacted clay soils so it allows uh, the roots to, to spread out and go further so you have a more healthy plant. Um, the next thing you need to understand is, is how fertilizer works. Um, I prefer organic fertilizer just because I'm, I'm a closet tree hugger. <laughs> I don't like GMOs. And I don't like fertilizers with ingredients that I can't pronounce. Um, but in order to read the fertilizer bag, you know, you find ones that say 10, 10, 10, or uh, 3, 17, 12, or whatever. Uh, those three numbers are the, the uh, it, it, they contain, they tell you the amount of nitrogen, phosphate, and potash. Okay, those are the numbers. The first one is nitrogen. The second one is phosphate, and the third one is potash. And those primary nutrients that make up those three elements, that's nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So the first two make sense, nitrogen and phosphate. But potash, a lot of people don't make the correlation between potash and potassium. That's that's what those are. Um, Once you have uh, figured out your pH... You're going to need to figure out what type of soil you have. Um, you, what you're searching for and what you're striving for is loam, L-O-A-M. And loam is made up of 40% sand, 40% silt, and 20% clay. That's usually the most optimum uh, soil mixture or composition that you are shooting for. And the way that you can do this, you can do a, a soil test at home. Just grab a mason jar and after you've got your pH right, um, or actually this will help you go toward getting your pH right, uh, because you're going to be doing some amending of the soil based on what you have, go get a, a quart-sized mason jar and put, uh, two to three trowels worth of garden soil into the jar and then fill it with water, um, not all the way full, but you're going to fill it with water, more water than there is dirt, I guess I should say. Um, so you're going to fill that about half full. The, the the mason jar you're going to fill half full with dirt, and then you're going to put enough water in there to take it up to about three quarters uh, full. And then you're going to put a lid on it, and you're going to shake it up. Shake, shake, shake. And then just set it aside and let all of the ingredients settle. And once it's all settled, you'll be able to see the layers that make up um, your, your soil composition. So you'll see a, a sand layer, a silt layer, and a clay layer. And you'll notice if it's loam, your sand and silt, so your bottom layer and your middle layer will be about the same Um, uh, thickness and then you'll have half as much in the third layer which is clay but if you don't see that the bottom and middle layers are equal in terms of the amount that's settled in your in your mason jar if you have more sand than silt then you have sandy loam if you have the opposite or the converse if you if you have less sand and a lot of silt you have silty loam and then if you have very little sand a lot of silt and a lot of clay you have silty clay loam and you can adjust that by using different amendments you can actually add sand to your to your garden you can add um, uh, more uh, silt or topsoil in there the topsoil is going to have a lot of those ingredients in there already Um, But once you shake it up and all of the stuff settles, all all of the sand and and rocks will be on the bottom. And above the sand will be your silt. And then any uh, sediment at the top is going to be your clay. Uh, And if you have any organic material, it'll be floating. So that's important information. You can do that at home. Um, If you don't have the preferred loam and you have sandy loam, You can till in some compost and manure, but that will change your pH level, so be careful. You need to keep changing or keep checking that. Um, uh, And they also have high salt content, so use only a a plant-based compost. Um, If you have silty loam, you can uh, you can till in some some peat uh, or coconut husk. People use that. Um, And then if you can get your hands on some perlite. Um, and some compost that'll help change that complexit- complexion to from silty loam back to loam. Um, and then if you have silty clay, you can till in some peat, some perlite, and, and compost as well. It's just the amount that you're going to put in uh, varies depending on whether or not you have uh, silty loam or silty clay. So... You need to be cognizant of that. Unfortunately, when it comes to the pH test, there's really not a very good, reliable, at-home pH test. I mean, when somebody says pH test, I automatically think of a pool, you know. But uh, you need, uh, you actually, you need some computers that can read um, the content. So what a lot of people do is they'll go out and they'll take some, some soil samples uh, and then they'll send it off to like uh, uh, like a state university extension. Um, but you can go to um, a website called, and it's all one word, gardeningproductsreview.com. And in there, you can find a, a listing of uh, state-by-state soil testing labs and cooperatives and extension offices for, uh, for your particular state. So you don't have to wait you know, if you live in Montana or, or Idaho or Wyoming or Colorado or even Ohio or Texas, wherever you live, there's, there's plenty of places within your state that you can send off a soil sample. And they'll come back and they'll tell you um, your, your pH and they'll tell you what your composition is. So you can always do that too. The last thing I want to kind of touch on is um, what kind of tools you're going to need. Obviously, you're going to want to fence it in to keep as many critters out. Um, uh, there was an interesting thing in, I forget what book it was. It was probably a James Wesley Rawls book. I think it was Patriots maybe. Um, and they were talking about gardening. The characters were within the book and, and, um, one of them had made mention of the fact that, uh, locals in the area and he was kind of in, it takes place in central Idaho, central Idaho, I think. I know it's Idaho, but I think it's central. He's out somewhere in, in, um the Palouse hills and anyway um they noticed that they that the locals didn't keep the corn inside the fenced in area and because they had had a societal collapse they decided okay so they 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 had squirreled away some diesel and so they went and tilled up some some acreage not a whole lot i don't you know i don't think it was like a hundred by a hundred it wasn't you know five acres of, of land but they they tilled up a a good size area and they planted the corn outside the fence and then they set up a deer stand okay you need to be thinking about that type of stuff when when you're looking to to put in land uh for an orchard for if you want to put in corn um, you know the, the stuff that the animals are going to go crazy for you need to put inside the, the fenced in area. So you need fencing material. You need, you need posts. You need to be able to build a gate. Um, but when, when things are good and noise signatures aren't a problem, then by all means use a tiller, um, use your weed eater, use your lawnmower, do, you know, use anything that you want to use. I, uh, if you've got enough land and you're putting in something bigger then obviously you want a tractor or something that's going to allow you to to hook up various attachments like a disc or a plow, uh, rake attachment, th- things of that nature. Um, but when it comes to actually working the land um, more precisely, uh, you you know, obviously, uh, if you need to, you need a chainsaw to either remove obstacles to give you more sunlight, uh, clear out brush, what have you. Um, but you're also going to want, you know, an assortment of, of rakes and hoes and shovels uh, obviously, you're going to want gloves. Uh, you're going to want to. You're going to start building up calluses. The more stuff that you're doing in the preparedness arena, uh, it's a very hands-on approach to to life, and and you will build up calluses, and and there's just no way around that. So the gloves can help while you're building up your calluses. Um, you might want to also think about. Um, you know, an axe, a, a pickaxe, um, sharp shop. I'm telling you, I can't speak today. Saw sharpening tools. So you want to be able to have files and, and things that uh, are going to help you keep chainsaw blades sharp because they're not they're not inexpensive, but they're not expensive. They're kind of in that uh, that area where you're like, damn it, I don't want to spend another twenty bucks on a, on a chainsaw blade. Or 25 bucks on a chainsaw blade. You know, depending on how big your, how long the bar is, um, you know, your your chains can get kind of expensive. So you need to learn how to maintain those. And they make different things. Um, they have little grinders, electric uh, grinders that you can bolt onto your workbench. And, and I just use a handheld file because I'm never in a hurry. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to beat a thunderstorm or anything. I'm, I mean, I go out there. And before I, I put the, the chainsaw in the, in the car or the truck, I make sure that the blade has been sharpened and that I have a spare because I, I might break the the blade. So, or, you know, some environmentalist or, or some kid, you know, they had a tree house and there's a nail in the damn tree. You hit a nail with a chainsaw and, you know, you're going to ruin your blade real quick. Um, so you need to, you need to be thinking about that, um, other things that you can use if you're going to go claim timber for, for firewood is, is um, uh, wedges and, and splitting malls. Uh, those things will come in handy. You know if you're going to clear some land, you might as well salvage the timber that you that you're clearing um, for the garden and use it for firewood. Um, so these are different things that you can think of. Now when society collapses that's a different story. So in that scenario, if you don't have a tractor, or noise signatures become a problem, like I don't want to start a tractor, or I don't want to start uh, a, a dedicated tiller, or you know, for me, I've got a weed eater that has a tiller attachment, but it's a two-stroke engine, two-cycle engine, and um, it, it, it makes a lot of noise. So that's a noise signature that you don't want. So now how do you go break up soil in that scenario? Well, you could get Uh, a broad fork and that's more of a a gravity type deal you put it it's like a really wide um, uh, pitchfork and you put it it's about 18 inches wide you stick it in the ground you stand on it and then you bend it back and it'll it'll tear up that soil and start breaking up doing the breakup process and then you can hit it with with hard rakes you can hit it with hose um, and things like that um, definitely think about pitchforks, especially if you're going to have, um, uh, animals on your, on your property, whether that's a, a cow or a horse or sheep or goats or whatever. Um, you know, they're going to leave a lot of dung around, so you need to be able to clean that up, especially if you have stalls for them. So where they're going to bed down at night, uh, you need to be able to clean that up. Um, you need to be thinking about maybe having, uh, and this goes to the noise signature. Um, you need to be thinking about getting a a, a one-man or a two-man crosscut or a or a buck saw. Um, you need to be able to sharpen those saws, so you need tools for that. <coughs> and then, if you can get your hands on an old scythe, those work great. If uh, you're going to grow um, uh, hay for for the animals, so you know if you don't obviously you don't want to start up your tractor but you can use a scythe and you can go down there and you know just start swinging that thing and then and then you just pile it up and let it dry out and feed it to them so these are all things that that i have started squirreling away in preparation for a land purchase um you know but i'm getting to the point now where i'm i'm getting closer to my land purchase. And I've also almost exhausted all of my storage areas. So, um, I, and I hate to do it, but I'm actually, I'm looking at a, at a storage unit um, outside of the home that, um, that I can use or, or you know, if I know where I want my property to be. Um, if I know somebody that lives nearby, maybe they'll let me, you know, I can put it in one of those construction tough boxes um and just you know chuck it in the corner of his garage or something like that i, I haven't figured that part out yet but these are these are good problems to have so and that's all i wanted to talk about today so we had a little bit of current events we checked on some stocks we had uh, an explanation of what's going on there um and then you know we had a good lengthy discussion about gardening and and what it means to to garden when you have everything and and by that I mean electricity and, and uh, gasoline and you don't have to worry about getting shot when you turn on a weed eater. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when, it, when 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 society starts to break down and, you know, you've got your little piece of land, you need to be looking for tools and implements that are more 19th century than 21st century. And that'll help get you going a long way. Um I'm talking antique yokes, uh, a plow or a disc, and, you know, I got a big Amish country near us, and, and they use draft horses, and I'm always enamored with it. Whenever I see them out there working the field, I always stop the car and get out, and I just watch them for 15, 20, 30 minutes. I just watch them. I see how uh, the, the driver is, is handling the horse and, and different techniques that they're using to, to do the work manually but they're using a draft horse um to as the horse power if you will to do the things that they want to do it the, the, the Amish uh, they they fascinate me so there's a lot that can be learned from that Mennonite communities um your your old school Mormons things like that you can learn a lot by you know being observant asking questions not being rude about it you know uh, don't go in there thinking you're going to tell them how to do stuff. They're not going to change. Uh, it's up to you to 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 learn from them, mostly through observation. But and that's that's pretty much all I want to talk about. And so you guys have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor.